Football Podcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Italian Football Podcast. I'm Carlo Garganese here as always with Nima Tavali. So just three rounds to go in the Serie A season. Another huge weekend of action for us to review today. Inter continuing their unstoppable run of form with another win. Roman Lukaku, he can't stop scoring. Milan, they are in deep crisis. They lose to, to relegation-threatened Spezia. Juventus have all but booked a top-four place on the pitch, while Lazio and Roma slip up again. We'll also be previewing a huge week of European action, the second leg in the Champions League of the semi-final of Inter versus Milan. And the Europa League semi-finals, Juventus and Roma in action. Fiorentina in the Conference League semi-final with a lot of work to do to turn around their tie. So lots to talk about today. For all our first-time listeners, this is our free weekly episode, which we do every Monday, reviewing the weekend Serie A action and all the biggest talking points in Italian football. If you want to support the Italian Football Podcast and receive all of our content that we do throughout the week, including a weekly Q&A episode every Tuesday, where we answer all the questions sent in from our patrons, plus the weekly Thursday midweek review show and interviews, post-match reaction and much, much more, then go to patreon.com slash TIFP and become a subscriber for just two ninety nine a month plus VAT. And for all of you listening on Spotify, iTunes, Apple Podcasts, we'd really appreciate a five-star rating. Uh, give us a follow, subscribe to us. It, it really helps us to to grow also check us out on youtube as well when we've just broken uh 1000 uh, uh subscribers on on youtube so uh, big thanks to everyone that that supports us there as well okay let's get into it Nima. right we're going to start off with the milan clubs and then we'll do a, a preview from that on the, the second leg of the of the champions league semi-final but we will start with milan because milan are really in crisis now. They lose 2-0 to Spezia uh, on on Saturday in what in what was a dreadful, dreadful performance. Rafael Liao wasn't playing again, uh, just as he wasn't against uh, against Inter in the in the Champions League defeat uh, in the week. Um, so the the question is now, Nima, is it a case of no Liao, no Milan? You mean Liao and Inshallah? Um, yeah, look, <laughs> when it comes to their attack, look, I've said it for many years now. He's been there for three and a half years, and I think that's been evident um, that that's the, that's the case. In terms of the attacking phase, Pioli, which is funny because he used to kind of be criticized for the opposite, where, you know, he, he used to actually, his teams used to score quite a bit, but they used to leak. Here, it's the other way around at Milan. And I think that's... Well, I mean, I say it's a little bit funny or, or strange, but not really, because when you're at one of the big three clubs, one of the big three-stripe clubs, then that's how it looks. You have to have defensive solidity. If you're at Juve, Inter and Milan, and you hemorrhage goals, you, you'll get thrown out. Um, and he's realised that, and he's handled it really well. But I think there is a real serious case to be made as to how poorly his Milan, after three and a half years in the attacking phase, uh, they just come up short. And they, they rely so much on just one player resolving it for them. Now, that's not just any player. It's Rafael Leao. He would resolve many problems at most clubs in the world. But the fact that it, they just cannot systematically break down. I mean, if you compare with Simone Inzaghi and Inter, who are a team who are the, one of the worst dribblers, both for attempts and you know, con, uh, completed uh, dribbles, 
uh, in, in all of Europe, but yet for shots on goal and XG in all of Europe amongst the top four, that's because there is a clear plan, there's a clear structure in both phases. Um, there isn't that in attack for Milan. And so when Leao isn't there, they it becomes they, they, they get exposed at that. Um, and I think that's that's a problem. I think that's a problem. Uh, the stats show it, though. The stats are clear. Milan have just one win in 12 games mm. this season when Liao hasn't started to, mm. due to unavailability, whether it's mm. an injury or, or suspension. Uh, I mean, that is that's well, terrible. That's, can't be clearer than that, can it? I mean, you know. But having said that, I do... Look, it's Spezia. They, they were fighting for their lives. And I said it last week on the pod on Monday. I said, look, this is not a walkover. Milan have to be careful here because, or it was on Thursday pod rather, sorry. They have to be careful because Spezia are literally fighting for their lives. And we know that they are good at home. And now they have beaten both Milan clubs at home, uh, albeit diff- very different games, but with very I, almost identical outcomes. Um, and, and it sends Milan into a little bit of a mini crisis because they are now... They, this is now when they have to start delivering results and they've got two two nil defeats in a row now. No. I mean just 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 pressing on the the whole no Liao, no Milan, no nothing can attack and Giroud didn't play in, in this game either. He came on as a sub. Uh, I'm seeing a lot of Milan fans actually starting to compare Pioli to Allegri in terms of the patterns of play and and the I mean you said it yourself but <laughs> Liao and inshallah. I mean is it is it a player issue, um, the problem in attack uh, when Liao's not playing, or is it a manager issue, or is it both? I think it's both. Um, the funny thing, as I said, also is that if you look at Pioli's career, creating goal-scoring chances have, has never really been a problem. He does have an attacking identity. The problem has been that at those clubs, he gets found out really quickly, and then he has to, you know, and then he has to shore up the defense. And that's what I mean, the purely high. It's beautiful, but short and sweet. Here, he's not, he's managed to to calibrate that and handle those situations because, you know, he has shored up the defense and they've managed to bounce back and, and the individuals have been able to understand what he wants them to do. Now, I don't think it's an Allegri situation. Allegri is much more conservative um, as a coach, as a tactician um, than Pioli's ever been. Um, but I do think that there is an, there is an issue here. I think he's... I think he realizes that the squad has limitations and he's trying to work wonders with what he's got, which he already kind of has, having won the Serie A title last season. But as you can't live on that forever. And I think that's well, that's why Milan are in fifth, five points off Inter in third, and no one's really criticizing him heavily, saying he should be sacked. If that were not the case, if he didn't have that Scudetto to fall back on, I think he might already have been sacked even because this season has not been very good. Yes, the Champions League is fantastic, but they they do seem to... I mean, how many times this season have we seen Milan in complete defensive freefall and can't create anything in attack? And then they bounce back. He changed to a 3-5-2, 3-4-2-1. That gave some effect. Then he moved back to his 4-2-3-1 because that's how he wants to play. But it, it just seems to seems to be that he's almost always trying to put out fires and I think that makes me kind of think, well, hang on a minute, that's actually a little bit more a personnel issue than a managerial issue. Because when the players, obviously, that he's got today are not ready to execute what he wants them to do, and so he has to make the best with what he's got. 
But having said that, it's Spezia away for crying out loud. You know, yeah. you, you should be able to, to, to handle that and get a no, result. Especially with Spezia's form going into this game. And yeah. Milan's form is, is, is really bad. It's really bad right now. I mean, one win in five games, two, two wins in eight games uh, since the start of March. 15 matches, five wins, seven draws, four defeats. So whether you're looking short or medium term, I mean, you know, and you look over the course of the season, of course, Milan are out of the top four. They're, they're, they're uh, is it four points from Lazio? Four points from Lazio in fourth. Milan are fifth, Lazio in fourth. Um, you know, three games left. Juventus still have, um, Milan still have to go away to Juventus as well. I mean, realistically, on paper, they're not getting into the top four. They're, they're going to be reliant on, on Juventus losing points uh, getting the points penalty, which we uh, most people expect to be nine. Well, they're eight points behind Juventus. If Juventus beat Milan, it's in Juventus's hands to finish. That's more what than I was going to say. I'm so glad and you brought so, that up. So because... they're, 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 I tweeted this on on Saturday or Sunday. So you know, it's it's now it's in Juventus's hands to finish more yeah. than the, the more to finish above Juventus to finish above Milan after the points penalty has gone through. Then it's basically Milan are basically. You're saying inshallah. They're basically Sheferin and inshallah. Basically, <laughs> that's what that's what they are. That's, that's what they are after. They're, they're basically they're relying on Sheferin's hatred of, of Juventus I'll the Super stop. League. To, there's to, no to, hatred to, by Sheferin against Juve. Come on, there's a legal, there's actual convictions out there. Come on, it's not about that. They're relying they're relying on Sheferin basically. Yeah, they're to, relying to, on UEFA to, to impose their laws uh, and and rules and regulations. And they yes, they shouldn't be in that situation. There's no way they should be in this situation. And and that that is that is no, there's no doubt about that. And I think just before Fiori, we move on to Spezia and just give some credit to Spezia, the, just I've had this from a few of our of our patrons, so I think it's only fair to, to bring well, it up. But the Esposito push. On Brahim Diaz, hmm. should VAR have intervened on that? Did the referee? Well, that depends if the referee saw it or not. I mean, again, if he see, if he sees it, and well, should uh, it have been a penalty? <laughs> again, it's um, it's the referee's. Uh, you know, if did he see the situation? What did he see? And does it? If he saw it and decided that, that doesn't warrant. A but push. was it a penalty though? Should it have been a penalty? Forget about the VAR. Was it a penalty? Basically, he pushed he pushed Brahim with two hands. Well, let's in just the say back. that we've seen we've seen them given and we've seen them not given. I mean, I I wouldn't I wouldn't have complaint complaints either way. I just think that in these penalties in the penalty area, there's that there needs to like because we see this shirt pulling all the time, the pushing and pulling we see all the time in every situation. That did look very. I, I did note it when I saw it. I was a bit. I was like thinking, okay, well, that's a bit stupid by them, because you don't do that. But I mean, again, if the referee saw it and he saw it live and decided, well, no, that's not warrants enough, then it is what it is. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, it's a difficult one. I, I, I mean, you push you push someone with two hands in their back. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, but it doesn't. It also. Do, I agree, but it's also like it depends on what kind of push it is. Is it the kind of push where? You know, he takes. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like he he's like charges over like you when you were kids and and you know, yeah. kids pushing each other. I think over it is like one that. of those. We've seen them give him. Yeah. we've seen them not give him. Yeah, I mean, I can't. I mean, it's like I I thought it was stupid by Esposito. Uh, you don't. Mm. There's no need to do that. Like you should be a bit more careful, especially if you're a side trying to fight for your life to avoid re- relegation. You have mm. to be more disciplined. But look, he did score an absolute stunning free kick. Amazing, yeah. Um, this the, 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 this Esposito family. I mean, Sebastiano and Salvatore, at least. I don't know so much about... We don't really know much about the character of the young one. But they have talent. 
but they just seem don't seem to be able to maintain the discipline to explain, you know, yeah. to express it's that. It's interesting talent. about week in and week out. I mean, what, remember what Takopina told us that the, he sold him because of the negativity he was sharing, his attitude in the dressing room. Like literally yeah. told us that he's a fantastic player. I've always rated him. Even when it was with the under twenty ones, and Italy mm. have always had these, these, you know, it's a golden generation mm. of, of central midfielders that Italy have had in the last five years, and that you know goes down to the under twenty ones yeah. and the yeah. youngsters coming through. Um, and I, I remember when he was there, mm. and he was for me. He always generally used to be the best play, performing player in the under twenty ones out of all of those. You know, when everyone else was talking about. Uh, Rovella yeah. and Fagioli and Miretti and he was all these the star. He was the one that always performed the best yeah. in the under twenty. I mean, and this I is why believe. when he joined uh, Spezia in January, when we did our Mercato January review, I said I think he's going to be like the net, like the, this, the best signing of the January market because there was hardly any January markets or breakout star. I think we were asked on the Q and A pod, and you mm. had Hoyland and I had Salvatore Esposito. Um, yeah, I, it's well, safe, I think I still win I, that one. I think you win that one by <laughs> by, by, by 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 nine nil. Um, yeah. I think you win that one by, by but nil. He, but he is, I, there there's is no doubt about there. the quality. There's no doubt yeah. quality. He's yeah. got the quality there, and it's funny actually that he scored because um, I was speaking to my dad just before before the game <laughs> started, and he he because Esposito is uh, my dad was telling me how he he has someone working for him who's who's an Esposito that's just started working with him, and how um, Esposito is is a really really popular name it's like one of the most popular names in in italy in, Isn't in, it in the, naples in the, in the, they from in naples? The naples region yeah. yeah it's a neapolitan name and the reason why it's so popular is because in the past um all the the italian kids that were put up into to orphanages oh. uh, in the past were they were given the name esposito because they were they were orphans uh, that's and that's name. why the name became so popular so you know a lot of um, the espositos obviously you know through the generations have come from um you know have come originated from from uh, from yeah ancestors who were who were orphans. So yeah, a little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of history there <laughs> for everybody for everybody that wants to know. Yeah. Oh, no, seriously, but, that's brilliant. I just did not see that. Is, I know it's an amazing story, isn't yeah. it? I thought I'd share it. Yeah. <laughs> but it's funny because my dad my dad told me about it. He was telling me the story, and then like about that's a couple brilliant. of hours later, a couple of hours later. Um, this wasn't so scores this amazing. No, but look, as I said, I mean, I've always believed in this. I think I think he is the main one. Um, I, I'm not I'm so far out of the ones. I mean, I've I've not seen the the little one yet. But I think this is the one that I personally, when they were both coming up, this is the one that I had my eyes on. I think he, you know, he, mm. I think there could be a player there. I just hope that he can sort his off field attitude out because I think there is there is a player there that could be very interesting. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Unzola, I thought, was really great as well. And definitely he can't stay it. at Spezia. Like, come yeah. on. I mean, he has. To, yeah. someone has to buy him. Because he, yeah. he's, I, I he's I think, a monster. I think he's a half. I mean, when you compare him to like what Milan's forwards were doing, I mean... <laughs> Again, know, Milan, it's, it's the Milan same thing well. again as with Inter. I mean, he outshone Lukaku in that game. And now yeah. he did the same against Milan. I, I really, really rate this player. I think there is a player there, and he's he 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 the, the fact that he can hold up the ball so much, and he's such a handful. He he can occupy a four man defense all on his own, and he's yeah, such a he pain is. in the butt. I like him. I do like him. Talking about Lukaku, who you just mentioned, let's move on to Inter mm-hmm. because Inter are on fire, but Lukaku is on fire. He cannot stop scoring mm-hmm. right now. And this was a this was 
in my opinion, not a particularly great performance. I know they rested lots of players. I thought Inter <laughs> got a little bit lucky. In yes, this game, but there's no doubt did. about Lukaku. There's no doubt about Lukaku's performance. I mean, he was the man of the monstrous. match. Monstrous. There's no doubt about that. He was the man of the match, without a doubt. He was absolutely fantastic. Uh, the hold-up play was brilliant. His back against the goal. His link-up play when the ball at his feet. His strength. His speed. Um, he was. He was outstanding. He was simply, simply outstanding. And his finishing was was there. No, he's he's starting to. He looks like he's in form now. Finally, uh, when it matters the most. Um, but no, I, I thought he was outstanding. I mean, what well, he's got eleven goal, goal contributions. I think in all competitions and seven since the start of April in seven starts. I mean, what, what, <laughs> what are you going to say? What, what, what else can you? What else can you say? He was the man of the match. He's the reason Inter win that game in a game where Inter really, really aren't that good. Where Inter are. Inter are they didn't it, they they were they they didn't they weren't switched on mentally. They're, it was so obvious that their heads were on 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 Tuesday or tomorrow, um, and that could, that could bite you in the butt. They were they were lucky, uh, but they need. I think Inter have deserved their luck with with everything that's happened this season. Um, but they put their chances away. Exactly. That's <laughs> this what, is the difference. This is the it? difference that when you that they for once, you know, they, they've shown this kind of killer instinct. In the last few few weeks, when you have a 50-50 game where both teams have as many, I mean, I think both teams had as many chances as each other yeah. in this game. Yeah. It comes down to who puts their chances yeah, away. Exactly, and that's that's what Lukaku did. He scored, and and Inter were lucky with the deflections. Let's be honest. I mean, yeah. those those deflect. We, we you know Inter have had have had miss sitters, and now those two of the two deflections. No, that Juan Trezoldi, I think that game goes down as one of the most disastrous <laughs> defensive performances by a defender I've ever seen in my life. All four of the goals were his fault. Yeah, two, really of them were, were. two of them were two of them were deflections off him. Uh, and the other two were, were he was getting he got manhandled by by Lukaku and done by Lukaku. And but I got to say that fourth goal. Go look at that Simon Inzaghi's football. Like that is peak Inzaghi ball. The way that the they create down the left or down the right, they do this all over the pitch. Create numerical advantages in triangles and saw themselves through. Uh, until they find the opening and space. And they're so patient at doing that. And it's no surprise to me that it's Brozovic who assists Lukaku for that goal, that he's on the pitch wanting to do that. Um, so, no, it was... it was, uh, that, that top, was four, top four basically secure now? Absolutely. I think it would take something really, 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 really surprising because their five points are clear of Milan. Um, three games left. Three games left. I mean, even if they lose against a Napoli who... Are on holiday. I mean, <laughs> Napoli are Napoli yeah, are on the no. beach. Like, they, yeah. like it's Napoli are not there. I don't know if you no. saw against Monza, but <laughs> it was it was essentially Spalletti and friends on a, a class like a class. Basically, it was a, a holiday of nine, ten-year-olds with her Spalletti and Bianca. Nera. Yeah, exactly. It was it was like class with teacher Spalletti on a school field trip to Monza. Like they just did not, like they have switched off completely. And God, I mean, who can blame them? You know, they deserve it. Like let's not, no. I'm not, I'm not criticizing yeah. them. Don't get it I, I think Inter have got it. I think Inter have got it. And what was also good for Inter in this game, they rested seven, maybe eight yeah. of the players who yeah. will start yeah. against Milan. Again, he's rotating. That, that He understands that it's key. He said it even before the games or even last week. He said, look, we've been playing every three days since April 1st. He has to rotate. He has no choice. And because when he does it, he gets when he gets to the last few games like Napoli and Fiorentina, the, the cup final, he can't rotate as much. 
um, and he'll have to rely more on players. Yeah. And so the, he needs them fresh, and so he has no choice. That's why you need your directors to do a good damn job in the off-season and give you players that are fresh and can give you quality. Players that aren't named Joaquin Correa, for one, mm-hmm. who came off injured mm-hmm. again. Uh, after stinking up the place again. And <laughs> Roberto Gagliardini, who, I mean, this guy, like, in, I've never seen Inter fans count down until his contract expires. It's, he is so poor. And and it's gotten so bad where I f- I'm starting to feel bad for the guy. Like the I'm, Italian I'm, Pogba, he was na- he was labelled as a youngster. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> well, actually, probably probably better than Pogba right now. We'll oh, get to that. Oh. Um, but just about just well, just just before we get on to Sassuolo, seven wins in a row for for Inter in all now. competitions. Yeah, yeah, twenty-one goals scored in in that in yeah. those seven games, and six and also interestingly, sixty-six goals for the season now. That's only four behind Napoli, who are the highest scorers in the league. So uh, Inter could actually end up this season is the, is the highest score well, in Serie It's what you and I both have been saying on this pod for months, uh, that the problems at Inter are because the strikers haven't delivered. They are the ones who'd yeah. let them down, and now they're not letting them down, and so they're winning. I mean, if, if, you, if, you're fun, yeah. si- if you're big-name players, the players that you pay the most money to, that are supposed to be the difference makers, don't turn up for 60% of the season, well, you're going to struggle. Any team would... Mm. Yeah, as for Sassuolo, uh, as I said, I thought they were very unlucky in this game. In fact, I'm looking at the XG. Yeah. And they, no, they, they were better. High, they have a higher XG they than were. into 2.2 no, to 1.8. They yeah, were better. They, they, they were unlucky. But I do want to give a shout-out to Fratesi in, in, in this game. And we saw again why he's wanted by the big clubs. And he's just a very complete player. He just can do a bit of everything. And and I know you don't like the comparison to Barella. But no, I, I think I really it's unfair do, to him. I really do see Barella in him. No, I in, do. In, in, in the thing is, it's not that I don't like the comparison. I don't like when they call him a poor man's Barella because I think it's unfair to him. I think, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think we're not... We're not. I think he actually is a player that's good enough to start in one of the top four teams. The problem is that Nicolo Barella is just better than him. At least yeah. now, you know, up until this point in their careers. Um mm. But to me, what I like about him is, is he he gets into scoring positions. I mean, I counted in this game four times he got into goal scoring no, he did. positions, and he scored one. But he had three other chances as well, yeah. um, and he's been great. And I'd also just want to say, Pina Monti, <laughs> Inter <clears throat> Inter took them to the cleaners with that sale. I mean, he's he's awful. He's absolutely I, I've awful. Never I don't think he, I don't, I'm sure now that he's not even good enough for Sassuolo. He's not I've not. I, I, I've always like for me since this guy came up. I was. I, I've never saw it. And when when Rayola, <clears throat> God rest his soul, when he was talking about how he's going to be a superstar, I was like, no, he's really not. He will never. Like, I don't see what they all saw. I never saw it. I've never seen. I think he's a decent Serie A striker that plays in a mid-table to relegation side team. But yeah. he's not better than that. He's never been better than that. And that's why I was so thrilled when he was banging in goals, bringing his price up. And, and you know, Marotta managed, you know, we managed to fool someone to pay whatever, however many, however much he was to get get him. And, mm-hmm. and you know, thank God for that. Yeah. Because he's okay. not very good. But no, as for Frosese, look, as I said last week, I, I, th- I really rate this guy. I think, I really hope he goes to Roma. He is from Rome. He is Roman. He came up through the youth ranks there, and he would play there, and he would be important there. 
Yeah, and they have a 30% sell-on clause on them as well, which makes the deal a lot cheaper for yep. them than, than yep. anyone else. Yep. Uh, right, let's, let's, let's do Inter versus Milan then. Second leg preview, because the second leg is on Tuesday. Of course, Inter 2-0 up from the first leg. Inter now with their own fans in the, in the San Siro for the second leg. They're huge, huge favourites. Um, as I said on Thursday, uh, the odds with the bookmakers you can get 33 to 1 on <laughs> for for, uh, for Inter to go through. And Milan, you can actually get odds of 14 to 1. So, I don't know, if you fancy a little bet, um, I wouldn't wouldn't recommend it. But, um, let's, we, I mean, we already we already spoke about this on Thursday, but I, let, let me ask you two questions. First of all, from Inter's point of view, who should Inter play and what mm. should their approach be? Should they play the same team or should they, as you said the other day, should they play Brozovic and, and Lukaku instead of instead of Chalanoglu and Dzeko? No, no, not instead of Chalanoglu. Absolutely not. My dream midfield is Barella, Chalanoglu, Brozovic. In this game, you... Okay, so you drop Mkhitaryan? Yes, I do. I think as a as a second second half sub when you need someone to come in when Brozovic is tired, when Chalanoglu is tired, when Barella is tired... That's who you bring in. You bring in someone with his experience and cool, uh, cool head to control in the, the midfield. Um, as for Lukaku, I think this is a game that is going to have acres of space, um, and that's why you. That's why you play Romelu Lukaku in acres of space with his physique, with his ability to hold up the ball. There is nobody. No one can get the ball off him when his back is against the goal, and you pass him to his feet. He just. He just. He can. The only way he loses that ball is if he trips over his own foot, or trips over the ball, or loses it because of a technical error that he makes. But you don't outmuscle Romelu Lukaku. And if he's starting to look physically as as he's starting to, like when he turns and he he passes the ball and starts running, he looks. I mean, he's not as good as he was two years ago, no doubt about that. But he, he there, when there's space to attack, he can cause you problems. So for me, it's it's a no-brainer. You start, that, that's the team you start. Especially when you've got Leao and Teo on the left, which I expect both of them to start against Milan because they don't have anything like this is, they have to risk it. Um, they have to risk Leao. I mean, it's, it's just that simple. They've got nothing to lose. And so they... We are, know though that Dzeko's going to start. I mean, we know he didn't, yeah. he didn't play at the weekend and, and he's, he's going to play He's going to play this I game, think that's but, a I mistake. Mean, I, I, dis- I, th- I as as c- for the same reason that I thought it was correct to play Jekyll and Mikitari in the first leg, because of the kind of game I was expecting Milan to play, for the same reason, but the opposite. Now I think it's a mistake to start Jekyll and Mikitari. I think with that midfield of Brozovic, Chalanoglu, and Barella, you have the complete midfield that is both direct, patient, great passes, fantastic movement, cover more pitch than anyone else, and Romelu Lukaku for physique and holding up the ball and giving Inter a breather and also the acres of space. Edin Dzeko is good at many things. He's not, he can't, like Inter's, Inter's counter-attacks are dead when he's on the pitch because he can't counter-attack. He can't drive the ball quickly. It looks, he's, and it's not his fault, he's 37 years old. He's just, it's just not the kind of football that suits him. So I hope that it's Lula on the weekend, on, 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 on well, tomorrow, it's Tuesday tomorrow. Yeah, I think maybe Inzaghi also... Is Correa going to be out? Will he be definitely be well, out? Well, they Correa? said that he could be... But I don't think he's starting that guy. Mm. I think he's out, yeah. Mm. Okay. Um, as from the Milan point of view, what should what should their approach be? I mean... Without you know, Benasser too, yeah. That's the question. Who comes in for Benasser? I would play a 3 And what formation do they play? Do I'd they play, stick with I'd a 4-2-3-1? Do they... 
I mean, who who plays? I mean, <laughs> they don't have many options in centre midfield. I mean, does Pobega play? I'd play uh, three five two very well. I play a three five two with uh, Leao behind Giroud um, mm-hmm. because I think if you, you he has to go for it. he has to do something, doesn't he? I but mean, that was a disaster when they played against Inter with a three five two. After that, they, yeah, but after that they played really well as a three in, in, a, in a back three. Uh, mm. uh, not, not for me. Not for me. I, I think that they showed in the three five two. They just don't create any chances in the three five two. They need to somehow overturn a two goal deficit. I, I don't know what the solution is because I just think Inter. Are, I just no. I, just I think I think I think team. they need to play. I think Kiar, Kiar, Tomori, and uh, Chao. Uh, I'd play, and then probably, um, and then in the middle, like you say. I mean, Krunic, Benasser, Benasser, and. Who do they start next to him? Is it three four two one then with Brian Diaz and Leao behind Giroud? That could be a way to handle it, to handle Benasser's absence. Um, Salamakers is a right winger. I don't know. I just think that if you you need to do something, um, you need to you need to throw something that Simon isn't expecting in order to turn this tie around, and maybe a three four two one could be it. I that 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 is my you know that's that's I'm just thinking out loud here because they have two goals they need to claw back. Maybe start Origi. I don't know. Yeah, I, I was thinking that. I was thinking purely from a from a historical point of view that we saw what he did with Liverpool when they made they made that famous comeback against Barcelona, and, and Liverpool were decimated as well. For mm. that, people forget how decimated Liverpool were. Um, I'm trying to remember what their attack was in that game, but it was. I remember it being really bad, and they somehow still won that game four nil. And so, yeah, I mean, ultimately, I think it's down to Liao. Can Leal rescue Milan? Obviously, he makes a huge difference, uh, but is he fully fit? Is it going to be like Ossiman against uh, against um, against Milan, where he wasn't fully fit? He still was useful. He still scored, but it wasn't Ossiman at his best. You know, will Leal be at his best? You know, muscle injury, muscular injury, back. You know, ten days later, I'm not. I'm not sure he's going to be. He's going to be at his full fitness, to, to be honest with you. Just knowing from muscle injuries, you know, muscular injuries like he got, they, they take two to three weeks, you know, and you're pushing it then, you know. Yeah. So I, I, I'm not sure. I think... Well, he did train partially. We should say that. He did train partially with the squad yesterday. We're recording this on a Monday. So on Sunday, he trained with the squad partially. So there is... They, of course, there's are... training partially, there's training fully, but yeah. then there's playing yeah. and there's playing... No, but I'm saying that it's, it's, it shows that he's on the right track. Is what I mean. Uh, of course, of but I think the game potentially comes too soon for him. But you know, yeah, Milan, Milan, Milan have to get. You know, I think he'll play because he yeah, has to play. Milan, to, it's the Milan right. seasons on it. But whether or not he's going to be at, at a level required to, to to be the real Leal that can turn this around, and, and like he did in the first game in this this season when he was really great. You know, whatever happens, Milan need the first goal. If they can get the first goal, then that can get in Inter's head, maybe can psychologically yeah. can turn around the tide. That's the only way I see Milan winning this. If if there's a mental shift in this game, because mm. if it comes down to to technical levels and the players on the pitch uh, and player for player, I mean, there's no doubt about it. Inter are a better team. They're in better form. Um, the matchups they win. I mean, uh, you know, they win this. They go through. Um, but you know, it's football, and in football, <laughs> anything's possible. La palla è rotonda, no? That's it. That's it. Right. Let's let's move on to Juventus who beat Clemonese 2-0, but there's only one talking point from, from this game, really, and that is 
the really, really sad scenes of Paul Pogba going off in tears. His first start of the season, his first start since returning to Juventus last summer from Manchester United on that free transfer. His first start in 390 days. The last start was on April the 19th, 2022 for Man United against Liverpool. Uh, his, <laughs> But this first start, it only lasted 23, 24 minutes. He, he tried a, a clipped ball. And 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 he's pulled a muscle in his in his thigh, and he goes off in tears. Di Maria comes off the bench and consoles him. I mean, first of all, before before we 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 look at what this means for his career and his future, I mean, first of all, just that was just such a sad sight, wasn't it, Nima? You, you couldn't help but feel really sorry for him. It was it was heartbreaking. Um, it was really really heartbreaking. It's it wasn't nice to see him completely break down like that, um, and you can't help but feel empathy with someone whose career is has been marred with you know this is not the career anyone expected him to have um and it's been injury after injury after injury after injury uh and it's a shame but this is you know we've been saying i think we both have been saying and i know i haven't been saying maybe you know he, he can't cut it physically at this level the talent and quality we all know who we know what he who he is what he can do what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are, but I wonder if he can cut it. Um, I, I've I've said it for many, you know, I mean, for for a few for since since you've bought him. I mean, that was on paper. We said it. It's a great, it's a great signing on paper, but the injuries are a huge, huge question question mark. And it started off awfully. Juventus didn't do any do him any favors. They should have operated him immediately. They didn't. They made it worse. They operated him. He missed the World Cup and all of Juventus season. That was a two-way thing, though. I mean, Juventus, I blame. They should have put their foot down yeah. and they should have said, "Look, we're the bosses. We pay your salary. This is what you're doing, or you don't, or you, you don't play for us." They should have said that. But this was Pogba as well. This was Pogba using his influence and his and his power and his entourage and saying, "Why well, want to play in the World Cup? So I want to do it this way." And then it backfired, uh, of course, and and. You know, so they're both to blame as much as each other. Juventus are just as much to blame as Pogba for the way that that injury was handled. But the injuries are, I mean, it's not just this season with the injuries. I mean, yes, this season is, is a total disaster. That was his sixth injury of the season. And he's played just 162 minutes of football this season. They're all like, been all been recently since April, been like short, very short sub appearances between like 10 and 20 odd minutes long you know but that's all he's played and and you know he didn't make his first appearance till the end of February he didn't make his first start till last night uh but it's not just this season his injury record over recent years is horrific he's missed over 150 games for club and country in the last four seasons and it's clear now at the age of 30 that his body it just can't cope with the rigors of, of top level top level football anymore and you know he he his body just is is literally is falling apart. I mean, to get injured so easily. I mean, all all he was he wasn't doing anything exerting yesterday with that ball. It was just a little clipped ball cross, and he pulls a muscle in his thigh. I mean, he wasn't put under any pressure. He wasn't put any under stress. You know, he wasn't going for a real sprint. And maybe you know sometimes people with with weak hamstrings. You know, when you go for a real full out sprint, you can you can pull a muscle in your hamstring. Or people that. Like myself, for example, you know, I've got very, I've got flat feet, I have, and that puts a lot of pressure on my knees and ankles. And when I played, I used to get so, I used to be so susceptible to, to knee 
and ankle injuries because as soon as I just twisted or I didn't land in the right way, I would twist. You know, some people are injury prone, but with Pogba, it just feels like his body is just kind of just, it's just given up on him. That's what it feels because to get injured that easily, I don't know if it can be, <laughs> I don't know if it can be sorted because this has been going on for, for years, for four years, this has been going on. So the idea that it's suddenly going to, you know, at the age of, in his 30s, it's suddenly going to, you know, solve itself. I just, I hope I'm wrong, but I just don't really see it. I don't think so. I think, I don't think you're wrong. I think we, we both called it. It's a big risk. And it, I, I think it was a risk worth taking um, because it's still, it's still, um, you know, it's, it's still Pogba on a free transfer, but it didn't pay out. Uh, it didn't pay off. And he's not, I don't think he'll ever be the player he once was ever again. And I don't think. But well, can I, I just say for the record, Nima, I was against this signing. Yeah, and you I got were, to, I remember. I got no, no, so much were. abuse from no, it. I remember I you, so said, you said it was an unnecessary risk. I remember it. In our Mercato mm. review, you literally said this is an unnecessary risk that, I don't, that you didn't think was going to pay off. And and, yeah. I, and and I said, you know, I remember me saying to you that. I mean, yeah. I, would have been, I would have been for the risk, Nima, if it was a two year contract or maybe at most a three year contract. But a mm. four year contract, mm. you're giving him 10 million a year, and that's, that's... not including taxes. I mean, that's too much. That's too much for a club that we already knew their financial problems and we're seeing even more now with what's mm. going on from COVID and the effect that that had on the club and all the, the capital uh, injections that they've had to get from their holding company and all that. You know, we've seen it. So then, I mean, you just can't justify it. And when you add him and Allegri together, that's you're, you're looking at 20 million a year, not including taxes on Pogba and Allegri. And I'm sorry, that's just not sustainable and it's just not justifiable with what, we're getting out of it. Look, uh, I, I think, we, look, with, with Allegri, I take issue with you there. But with Pogba, I think it was a risk. It was a risk and it didn't pay off. And I think you're absolutely right. Every risk, every everything you do, you have to assess the risks. And like you said, a four-year contract, 10 million net a year, with that injury, uh, back, you know, with that injury history. Injury record. It's yeah. just... It, it, it was a very, very big risk and it didn't pay off. I don't think it will pay off. I think... Uh, I think Juve and, and him will kind of have a talk this summer and say, look, you know, um, I wouldn't be surprised if he went, like I said a couple of months ago, I think wouldn't be surprised if we saw Messi, Ronaldo and Pogba in Saudi Arabia. That's sad, isn't it? To, mm. see, Met, Renet, to see Pogba in Saudi Arabia at the age of 30, that's sad. That is really sad. Mm. You know, at that age, I'm yeah. not saying before any of the Saudi Arabian listeners have a go. I'm not saying you know don't go to Saudi Arabia, but I'm saying at the peak, he should still be playing at yeah. you know in the peak of his career at 30. To 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 basically for us here to be sitting here discussing is his career over. It's, it's sad. very sad. It's very sad, and I think if we're if we're looking, you know, I know he's achieved quite a bit in his career, but I can't help but feel the biggest one of the biggest what ifs is Paul Pogba. I think he could have been so much better if he if his career if he hadn't gone to Man United, if not for the injuries. I honestly think we would be talking about one of the greatest midfielders of his generation for accomplishment, not just talent. But when he made that move and with a world record fee to Man United in two thousand summer of two thousand sixteen, you know, most people it was just what it was just widely kind of accepted. This was the the maybe not just yet, but this was the gonna be the dominant central midfielder on the planet for the next mm. Five years or more. Yeah, 
Yeah, it, it was. didn't happen. No, it didn't, because United are what they are, and also his injuries. Uh, and also, yeah. remember, who did... I remember vividly this. Who did Mourinho want when he signed Pogba? Marcelo Brozovic. Again, someone who does the running. Um, that's when I think Pogba is at his best. If you can find a Kante or a Brozovic or someone who does the running f- with him, for him, then with his skill, with his intelligence... You have a fantastic world-class midfield. Yeah, with Pogba, it was always for me. He was always a supporting actor yeah. in movie terms. He yeah. wasn't a leading actor. No, he was never. You know, he yeah. needed. Yeah. He needed someone to carry to to be the, the leading actor of the yeah. midfield, Agreed. and he was someone that would just Agreed. that would support and add the the, the, the class to it. And mm. um, you know, I think that was his issue. If we're talking in general terms of his career, but the injuries have obviously ravaged him. And I do think that um, the ordeal that he's had in the last year or so with the kidnapping. And the blackmail with his brother. I mean, yeah, sweet his brother. Jesus. I mean, I think that that's definitely taken a definitely taken a toll. Because anybody that knows anything about health knows that you know mental your mental that kind of stress is, would drive. Yeah, it mental stress is absolutely key in your overall physical well being. It's absolutely crucial. Of and I think that has definitely. I mean, that's obviously not the only reason because we've seen it. It's been gone, gone on for years before that, but you know. He's not in a good frame of mind. No, Hasn't he's, been, not, he's, he's even admitted it in interviews. He's not been in a good frame of mind uh, mentally. Uh, and when your body is under mental stress, the injuries follow. And you can see he's not at peace with himself. He's no, not, he's not. He feels, he's not. He, he, even when you see him on the pitch, he, you know, it's, it's, so I think that has, I think that's definitely played a role. For him as well, but we you know we wish him all the best um, because I really do because it was pain. It was not. It was so. It was gut. It was heartbreaking to see. It was really. And not I think nice he could have been see. useful for Juventus for the rest for, of the season. For sure. In, in Look, this. a fit Paul Pogba is is useful to any team. But I know, I mean, but even for twenty minutes, thirty minutes at the end this season, I think yeah. he would have been. I think he would have been useful. We saw he got the assist in the game against Sevilla. But mm. um, but just a brief mention of the game itself. I mean, not much to say about the game. I mean, I think it was a comfortable win. Yeah. I would have personally liked Juventus to rotate a bit more ahead of the Sevilla game. But I think the Juventus had a, had an eye on this. They're, they're now eight points ahead of fifth place Milan. Well, exactly. And you they're know, literally before, one game away from securing you know, top four. Yeah, absolutely. They can beat Milan now and, and, and finish, you know, have it, you know, like I said, then it will be down to, down to UEFA to, to ban them. Otherwise they're in the top four next season, mm. even with the points penalty, which, which, which would be, you know, a great achievement. Um, I do want to ask you one thing though. <laughs> what do you think of this kit, this new Juventus kit? I thought it was horrible off the pitch, but on the pitch, I thought it would look pretty okay. Oh, I thought really? like, yeah, I thought it was okay on the pitch. That's the thing. It's like, when when I, this is something that I that I've noticed a few couple of years, like when I see kits, I'm thinking that is horrible. But then I'm but then you see it on the pitch, and it's like, hmm, that's actually not that bad. Um, I thought I thought the because of like from the camera angles, if you know what I mean, um, the mm. yellow blends in really nice with the green uh, of the grass. Um, no, I thought I thought I mean off the pitch, yes, it's dreadful. But on the pitch, I thought it looked pretty. It looked actually okay. Um, mm, okay. To be honest. I, I didn't okay, think I wasn't was... expecting that. Wasn't no, expecting that from no, you. No, neither was I. Because no, because like this is the thing though. Like the, the the way that they work, apparently. I mean, it, it feels like they're looking. They they're not just doing designs to, for them to stand out on their own. They want it, They also do it, of course, against the backdrop of green, because I thought mm. the yellow really matched the green 
Like, it blended in really nicely. Okay, well, I thought, well, for the record, I thought it was horrible off the pitch and horrible on the pitch <laughs> as well. I think the colour color coordination, there's, there's, that's one of my pet pet hates, colour coordination. Yeah. When, I, when people can't coordinate the colours yeah. that they wear. On wear the pink shoes with red trousers. Yeah, 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 and all that. Or wear too many colours is yeah. the one that, that gets me. When they've got, like, different colour top, different colour mm. bottoms, different colour <laughs> shoes, you know, and they've got, like, then a different colour coat as well. You know, it's just like... No, that, I mean that, that 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 is a trigger. That is one yes, of my I triggers. Yes, I know. So. It's funny. I love. I love. <laughs> so like I love the black and white like with the, with the really harsh yellow and and no, no, not for me. And it's and it's no, that's a surprise. But I want to know. Can someone find out who is the designer at Adidas at the moment? Because whoever it is, what are they doing? I mean, who who is this designer at Adidas? Because they absolutely butchered the Italy shirt, <laughs> battered it. Which is almost impossible yeah, to do. Yeah, that is difficult to a, do. Because it's such a classic. But for me, <laughs> you know? I have to say, I think the blue Italy shirt is okay. It's the white oh. one that I think is I think it's an eyesore, because, which is incredible, because how do you fail with, a, with white and azure blue? Oh, yeah. Like, that, that is an accomplishment. To me, they're all awful. To, to, to borrow your words, I want to gouge my eyes out. <laughs> I say gouge my eyes out with a wooden spoon. If you're no, going to okay, use it, okay. use it properly. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, just before we move on the preview, Sevilla Juventus, Cremonese, they're, they're yeah. done now, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's, there's not much to say. I think Davide Ballardini should, if, I wonder, I, I was thinking this, if Davide Ballardini had taken over, like, started the season with them, if they, would have maybe stayed up, like honestly, if they wouldn't have been able to beat the drop because he's been, he's really done what he could with them. Um, and no, it's 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 interesting. I had them dead last. They're not going to finish dead last, and they with three days left, you know, with four matches left of the season, they actually had a chance to stay up. Um, so no, you know, kudos to them. Um, I hope. I, I don't think. I, I think this was a one-off. I don't think we'll see Cremonese in the Serie A for a few years now. But it was a nice, nice acquaintance for for people like myself who grew up in the nineties. Cremonese is Enrico Chiesa and Matias Florianic. You know what I mean? Like those, those, uh, those players. Like Cremonese is. A, is a, it was. It was. It was a nice throwback to my childhood, the Serie A that, that yeah. I grew up with. Yeah. Okay. Severe Juventus then Europa League second leg. Mm preview um this is this Whew. is finally this is very finely balanced uh, first leg was was one all in Turin um Juventus going full-on Brexit ball in this their first chance of the tie in the 96th minute from a corner which got them the draw <laughs> um <laughs> I mean I love I mean, they how got, it triggers you they got away they got away with jail uh, got away got out of jail in, in this for sure I mean Sevilla should have been clear and that the tie should have been over really by half time but I thought Juventus were better in the second half without creating anything really until until the end um but you know I do think that the tie is still open I do think it's wide open I, I mean Sevilla obviously are favorites but but I think that you I mean I think a lot will depend on Ocampos he went off injured from what I'm hearing he's probably going to be fit um, which is a which is a blow for Vince because I think if he was out, I would feel quite confident for Vince because I think Sevilla lost everything once a Campos went off injured just before half time. They lost all their attacking threat. So I do think this is yeah I do think this could go either way. Uh, Sevilla have the home crowd, of course. They have the know how. You know the, the the Sevilla league. They've won it so many times. Um, so yeah, how do you see this tie? 
I think you're absolutely wrong. You're absolutely right. I think this could go anyway. Um, could go extra time. Yeah, I think this could go all the way. Um, again, no away goals rule. So we're at parity. And I know that Allegri is not going to, you know, he's got a chance at a final, a European final again. Uh, it's his third with Juve. And so he's not going to, uh, he's, he's going to go full on Allegri. Um, I, I expect them to, <clears throat> um, I expect, uh, I want to see Chiesa and Vlaovic together in this game. Um, I think that's now's the time to, to do it. Vlaovic was awful in the first leg. Awful. Absolutely horrendous in the first leg. I think, just judging on 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 his picks from the Cremonese game, I think Milik is going to start this game because he played Vlaovic for almost the entire game. He brought Milik on as a sub and then subbed him, which suggests to me that he's saving him for this game. And mm. that's just 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 my own hunch. Yeah, that's just, fair just, enough. Just based on logic, more than anything no, absolutely. Else. But um, I mean, I'm just saying, I personally would rather. Yeah, um, I, I'd rather start. I think now is the time for Vlaovic and Chiesa to play together. Mm. Yeah. My biggest concern, I hate to be the anti-Italian discrimination, but my biggest concern is the referee because the ref in the first leg was a disgrace. That penalty... That is, that is genuinely shocking. I mean, that yeah. is one of... How did the VAR... How did the VAR miss that? Like, I, I don't understand that. That, that, is, that is one of the clearest penalties I've seen. It's, it's an assault on Rabiot. His, yeah. His, well, his, his leg. leg was completely yeah. battered afterwards. It was, it was gross. He was it's standing just, in Italian it's, it's, TV afterwards talking with blood coming. And he was, it was gross. It was shocking. Well, what was most shocking about this is the VAR had a, had a, had a lifetime to make that decision because, be, because Rabiot was down injured for so long, getting treatment. The VAR had all that time to see, to look at the pictures so that you know, it wouldn't have been that, you know, they had to make it sometimes, you know, they're rushed because, you know, you need to get on with the game. And, and there was no excuse for that at all. So that's my biggest concern, um, you know, whether it's whether it's conscious or unconscious, you know, I don't think Chefferin wants Juventus in the final. So I think it's so, very safe to assume that UEFA want Juventus out as soon as possible, given that it becomes a bigger, like I said in the last week, I think it was, I can't remember when it was, I said, look, it's going to be a bigger scandal. It's going to not look good for UEFA if they actively have to go in and throw Juventus out of the Champions League as Europa League winners. So they would love yeah. it if they didn't have to do that. No doubt no. about that. Yeah, there, there is a definite feeling. I've spoken to people inside Juventus at the club. Juventus, there's a definite feeling um, within Juventus that that Cheferin is has it in for them, has it in for Juventus, <laughs> uh, and uh, that is the feeling within. And they, I know they were very angry also about Cheferin coming to Italy, uh, visiting Italy last week, and going with Gravina to the Roma game, and, and not making any reference or any contact with them at all um, with Juventus playing. Um, in the Europa League. I mean, of course, he can only go to one game of the two, but um, that just kind of added to the feeling that they've got at the moment that, well, you know, he's come to Italy, oh, he's decided to go to the Roma game instead of the Juventus game. Um, so, so entitled, so, aren't they? Oh, no, he didn't visit us. He hates us. He's discriminating well, in it, in, us. In it, on its own, no. On its own, I agree. <laughs> in, you know, on its own, I agree with you. But when you put it to the bigger picture, you can understand why they're, 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 they're very, very unhappy with him. But yeah, that's my biggest concern, the referee. I just hope that if Juventus are going to go out, they go out. Yeah, based on what happened. Well, that's what we want in every game. We don't want that's referees what we want. deciding. That's what we want yeah. all the games. We don't, yeah. we don't want what, the yeah. referees deciding matches. They go out because because Allegri plays 3-5-1 and they don't get out of their half. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. 3-5-1-1, thank you very much. <laughs> get it right. Well, 3-5-1 when Vlaovic was playing the other day. <laughs> okay, right. Talking about Europa League, Roma, uh, there's not really much to say about Bologna versus Roma. It was nil-nil. 
Mourinho basically played his entire entire subs um, and and a few youngsters as well, actually. Um, and it really wasn't a very good game. It was the most predictable draw I think you're ever going to get. Um, what I want to ask you here is, do you think Mourinho is going to stay at Roma um, this summer? Because he is getting increasingly linked to, to PSG. I know that he's on PSG's shortlist, um, but he's not the only one on the shortlist. Do you think he stays at Roma? Or do you think a lot of it depends, which is well, what I think is, I think a lot of it depends on how the season finishes. Yeah. Uh, and do they get in the Champions League? What promises is he made by the board in terms of the transfer market and strengthening exactly. the squad and everything? That I think that's what it depends on. But what, what do you think? That's exactly my point. That's exactly where I stand with this. I think that Mourinho... I think the thing is, his, I think his, his, his eyes, has, eyes have always been on the Real Madrid job. Uh, and I think he wants another shot there. Uh, but I, does Ancelotti leave? And, and who replaces, it seems, you know, who replaces him? Do, do Real Madrid want him back? It doesn't seem like they do. PSG would be, would be the right, you know, career move for him as, you know, he wouldn't, he can't complain over not getting any players. Um, so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have to, you know, it, it, I think your, your analysis is spot on. I think it depends on the end of the season. But look, Jose, you've made this mistake before. You've, you could be like, if you become immortal at Inter and Roma, don't leave. You stay on because the project isn't finished. I mean, if he's got them back in the Champions League, if they win the Europa League, two European trophies in a row, um, you know, I think he would regret it. Uh, I think leaving Inter was a mistake to go to Real Madrid in hindsight. And at the time, I completely understood it. That, you know, he did everything in Italy. He had written history with Inter. Inter, there was nothing more he could achieve. But, and then he went to Real Madrid and he, he won everything domestically with them, setting records. But they he didn't win the Champions League. And that was considered a huge failure at the time. And that's when kind of around that time when his career kind of nosed over a little bit. Here he's on the way up again. And I think he needs to pick that next choice very carefully because I don't think he can reinvent himself and come back one more time. He needs to get it right. Um, if he were to win the Europa League, he has to sit down with the Friedkins and say, look, now we're in the Champions League. Um, I want to I compete for trophies and titles. Can we do that? What is there to be done? What can be done? What's realistic? And so on and so forth. Um, mm. And I think that's what matters to him. He wants to win another Champions League. He wants to win another league title. That's where we are. Um, and and I think it all comes down to that. So I hope he stays. I think Mourinho at Roma and Italy is, is box office. Um, I I But I can't help but shake that nagging feeling that it's another one of those epic Mourinho wins European trophy, mic drop, leaves. Kind of I, I think that's possible. But I, I also think, and this is just my own hunch, that Mourinho cares very much about the history books. Yeah, he, oh, he does. Um, he, he, you know, and there's one trophy, if I'm not mistaken, the only trophy that Mourinho hasn't won is the UEFA Super Cup. So if he wins the, the if he wins the Europa League with, with Roma, then I think he, he'll want, he might, maybe he'll want to stay just for that. 
<laughs> for that super cup just to just to get that on his on his yeah. on his resume. But he doesn't so, really I mean, care about them. I mean, he said it himself. These minor cups that don't matter to him. Well, he says that, but no, but you he's, know, he's uh, said it many he, times he, over and over I again. Know, but then he's there. He wants to win it, of course. Yeah, but I think still, I think he he for him to say I you know in his accent I've won every single cup there is to win. Mm. You know, I think I think he'd, he'd love to say <laughs> he'd love to say that as well. But I mean, go, look, looking ahead to that second leg against against Leverkusen, Roma lead one 0 from the first leg in Rome. They go to Germany on Thursday. I mean, I thought the first leg was uh, was really good for Roma, considering the circumstances, considering they were decimated. I mean, they had Cristante at centre back, they had Bove at centre midfield. who scored. I was so happy for him. Uh, Belotti was basically half fit in attack. I mean, they had so many players out, so many and, the, and so many players that were half fit, like Abraham, Dybala. I mean, these players are, are not away off full fitness. Um, so I, I thought that was. I thought Mourinho will definitely be happy um, with that. Um, I think, like the Juventus game, it's going to be very tight the second leg. But I think that Roma, I feel quite confident about Roma. I think they they're in a position that I back Mourinho. If you, if you have to, do you know what I mean? If you have to pick who's going to go through, I back Mourinho to to go through over Xabi Alonso in this tie. No, I I, I think so as well. Um, and um, I I really liked how Roma were uh, in. Um, in uh, in the opening leg, I thought they were really really good. I thought they were really well balanced, and it was really nice to see Bove, uh, to see Eduardo Bove score. Uh, obviously, coming up through the youth ranks. I mean, we, we we talk about young players in Primavera. Roma keep producing talent uh, that keeps making and delivering at the in the first team as well. So we got to give credit there. And in, 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 and it's it's I liked how Roma were mentally in terms of their psychological well being. They are so united, and that is really important uh, at this stage of the season when everyone's a little bit tired, and it gets to the business end. Um, so no, I, I agree with you. I think, uh, and also the the fact that he rotated against Bologna so much as well. I mean, he played basically teenagers um, and 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 second string players. So, will I think he's going to field his absolute best squad against uh, Bayer Leverkusen, and and I think we're he's going to. If you say if you call Allegri Brexit ball, then this is Brexit ball on steroids. Uh, <laughs> he's gonna he's gonna. Bobo Joe the crap out of this one then. <laughs> if that's if that's the definition. Farage. Yeah, he's gonna f- he's gonna do a double whammy Farage Bojo Bojo and what's his name? The one that the, the, the one that sounds like he's an evil character from a 17th century novel. What's his name? With gl- oh, the one that said the one the that glasses. says he, he, what's his name? The one that, that said he didn't so funny. He, he didn't want to have wife because he didn't want to have to pay. pay yeah, what's his name? <laughs> Jacob oh, yeah. Rees-Mogg. That's the one. That's it. Yeah, yeah the, the Bond villain who I think is so amusing. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, he, that, if, if, that, if that's Brexit, then he's going to like combine these three. <laughs> he's going to go full on. Um, so yeah, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Okay, right across Rome, Lazio. They slip up again. They got away with it because Milan lost, and everyone else below them didn't didn't uh, didn't win either. So in the end, it it, it didn't matter uh, in the end. But uh, it did show again that Lazio uh, are yeah they're limping over the the top four line, and they were very poor in this game until the final quarter when they they really started to pour forward trying to get the equaliser. I thought Lecce were the better team. For until then, uh, and yeah, Lazio they're they're limping over the line. One win, one draw, three defeats. Uh, I think on paper they should still be fine because they've got a 
a much kinder run in than Inter and Milan, and they've got that points advantage. So I think they're gonna, I think they're gonna be fine, and especially as Juventus are gonna get the points penalty as well. Um, I actually really, who I feel sorry for, is I feel sorry for Lecce because they are right in a relegation battle now, and they don't deserve to be, and it's it feels so unfair. Um, but they play Spezia, don't they, on the weekend? If I'm yeah. not mistaken, they they actually they they this is this I wonder is, who will be watching that. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> on uh, Sunday, on the twenty first, they um they're at twelve thirty kickoff. I love relegation scraps at the in the uh, on a Sunday afternoon. <laughs> they are the best. Do not miss. It's going to be a packed stadium. It's going to be absolute mayhem. The last few years, when we get to this part of the season and the relegation dogfight really kicks off, those early early kickoffs are the most entertaining ones. Uh, Lecce Spezia, 12.30 CET, Sunday, 21st of May. Do not miss it for all, for everything in the world. It's going to be absolutely amazing. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, no, yeah. definitely. Yeah, they're unlucky because if they held on to those to that win, the last kick of the game or deep into injury time, Lazio equalised. I mean, uh, Lecce have a four-point gap and I think that is, that's enough for them to, to be safe. Now they're only two points above the relegation zone. And and it's uh, yeah, the Spezia game is is massive. It's absolutely massive. Um, Napoli, Napoli are on holiday, as you said before. They lose two nil to to Monza. And there's not much to say about this. They're on holiday. We know. Um, I just wanted to just just very briefly, Juntoli, mm. the Cristiano Juntoli, the sporting director. Um, my understanding is he will leave Napoli yeah. and go to Juventus, uh, according to my sources. Uh, and he he um, he will leave Lapley providing providing he comes to an agreement with De Laurentiis. That's the key. As long as they as long as they make they agree over the exit and how it all is brought about, he's going to be he's going to go to Juventus. He's going to bring some of his staff with him, um, and it's going to be his job basically to rebuild the absolute mess uh, in uh, you know in upper management in terms of the direction and the future planning of this club. Uh, it's going to be down to him. And I think that is a big positive for Juventus. And I think it's a big, big loss for Napoli because what he's done mm. at Napoli in building this team, profit-run club, the, the scouting that he and his team have done and uh, having the manager to develop them, magnificent. I also understand, though, and this is something for you, the anti-Allegri fans, he would like to get rid of Allegri. But the question is whether he will have the power to get rid of him. Uh, and also, there's the financial angle of that as well because of the amount of money. But that's something that that's something his. that you Juventus can't afford to have us to start next season with a conflict. Like they need to get this sorted. Can Allegri and Juntoli coexist? If not, don't get Juntoli or get rid of Allegri because it's not going to work. You can't start start next season with that in the background. That that's a recipe for disaster. Can they work together? Great. If they can't, either don't get him or get rid of Allegri. One or the other. It's as simple as that. Like you, you can't start the season creating a new project with a sporting director or the new sporting CEO or whatever you want to call him doesn't want the coach there. How are they supposed to create a, 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 an environment to win in that? I, I, I no, just, no, no, absolutely. I mean, it's, 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 it should go without saying, really, shouldn't it? I mean, it's... It's pretty obvious that, that the two of them are incompatible. <laughs> I mean, that's obvious. Uh, you know, Juntsley buys players that are emerging and developing and, and wants a coach that can develop Yeah, but them. The, I don't have a, that's not an issue because Allegri's been very clear on that as well. It's like, we need to start playing young players and he has done that. No, no, I'm talking about 
can they work together? Like you can't have a situation. Yeah, where- but that's that's the reason why Junsley Junsley doesn't see uh, Allegri as, as being right for the project because he doesn't think he's the he's the right kind of coach for for the, the way that he works in terms of that in terms of bringing in those kind of players. Uh, so I mean, yeah, we're in agreement. We're, we're, we're in agreement there. So that that is one to watch. Um, Rest of the weekend game, Atalanta lost 1 0 at Salernitana. Salernitana are virtually safe now. Atalanta's top four is definitely over, so they'll just have to play for um, uh, for European place. Kandreva scoring. I just want to say, Kandreva, one of the most underrated of his generation, uh, really is. Um, He's a weird one. Because on the one hand, he can he has an amazing shot on him and he can do some fantastic things. But when he gets to the very top, he just chokes and he can't deliver. Uh, he's a very one-dimensional player. He can't dribble, but his crossing, his first time crosses into space and his shooting long distance are just unbelievable. Yeah, I've always, I've always, I've always liked him. Uh, you know, I thought even for Italy, I thought he, he did okay. Um, Verona nil, Torino one, Fiorentina two, Udinese nil. Um, Fiorentina, sorry, Sampdoria play Empoli uh, tonight. We're recording this on Monday afternoon. Um, yes, just on Fiorentina, uh, they have the second leg of their of their Conference League semi final. Uh, they lost two one at home to Basel. I'm so angry that they oh, lost you're that angry. game at it's, home. I am so angry. I just want to go on record. It's I've already told Nima. I've already told Nima that <laughs> I'm joining Nima's Italiano out club if they go out with this, this game to Basel. It's, it's just, it's, it's unacceptable. Un- it's unforgivable. Did you see the two goals they conceded? What is that? The second goal, definitely. The first goal, I mean, I'll give some credit to the attacker. It was a good good bit of play. Um, but the yeah, second but you don't goal, give that much space. In the European well, semi-final at home, you're in the goal up. Yeah, well, I mean, they shouldn't be look, thinking about keeping it tight. They should be blowing a team like Basel away. But you know, it's 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 yeah, it'll be unforgivable if they if they go out of this game. So it it really is fit, unforgivable because it's, it's just it's so stupid. But mm. speaking, something that does speak for Fiorentina is they have been very good away from home in Europe this season. They've been better mm. away uh, away from home this season in Europe. So I think that is something that... The problem is that Basel, we know, they play with a very deep block and Fiorentina have struggled against those kind of teams because, you know, generally this season because of the, you know, the attack, which I still think is not, you know, top level. Um, So, you know, let's see if they can break them down. But yeah, I I will be so disappointed in Fiorentina if they don't don't go through the final. They've got given a golden opportunity, golden ticket to get to the final. Right, let's finish off with Baggio and Prem Face of the Week. Bad Joe. Um, I, it's actually from outside of Italy. Gael Clichy. Gael Clichy, I don't know how you pronounce his first name. Oh, yeah, I saw this. That yeah. was from the halfway point for Servette, I think they're called. I didn't even know he was still playing. Neither did I. At the age of 37, <laughs> yeah. um, he scored one an absolute fantastic goal. Uh, it was it was truly truly rem- remarkable as well, and it was, you know, he just took the ball, uh, he got it in in in, in the middle of the p- pit park, and just smashed it from just outside the circle, you know, and 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 he went to the. It was beautiful, definitely one of the goals of the season candidate. That for for I mean I think next season's what, what do they call it the Pushkas Award, definitely going to mm. be there. It was absolutely beautiful. And 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 the, and the trajectory of the ball as well. Now that was class, pure class. Yeah. So for me, no, that's got to be a big job. 
prem face of the week. I've got a couple. Do you have any? <laughs> no, no, you go. I think we've got some of the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll start off with Steve McManaman on commentating on the, the Milan game. He called Milan AC basically throughout the game. So that, that's number one. That's a hallmark of the prem face, getting the, the, the names wrong and using the the, the initials before <laughs> before a, a team name, you know, Madrid calling them Real and and uh, uh, you know all this kind of stuff. So <laughs> yeah, uh, that's the first one. And Andy Townsend, who is um, oh, but he's a good a one. repeat offender. Andy Townsend throughout <laughs> throughout the years, one. I can just say he he said ahead of the Real Madrid versus Manchester City game, he he basically so said cringe. that only. He said only one Real Madrid player would get into the Manchester City team and only just, he said, and that was Vinicius Jr., would only just get over, uh, uh, get into the team ahead of ahead of Jack Grealish. You could argue, <laughs> he said, you could argue. <laughs> you could argue that, to the, that Vinicius Jr. would just get into the team ahead of, ahead of Jack Grealish. I mean, yeah, that this is, is I've said this before, this is, this is, <laughs> This is in the DNA of the Prem face that whenever an English team play against a, a team from outside of England, whether it's the England national team or whether it's a, a, an English team playing in Europe, they always have to debate how many players would that, would that, would that team get into the English team? And it, and it always ends up being like zero one <laughs> by the end of it. But they do it all the time. It's like the, what the pre, like Prem faces, they have to debate and they have to... Uh, they have to to to, to, to <laughs> analyse how many of the the opposition players would get into the English team. It happens all the time. You'll see it every single time. When 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 there's the final, when the, the final is between, assuming Man City go through, when Man City gets to the final and they play against Inter uh, in the final, Milan in the final, guarantee it one hundred percent. You'll see it. You'll see it happen again. They'll, they'll be debating how many Inter players would get into the the Man City team, and it'll be like zero or one. It'll probably be zero actually. It's uh, always zero. Are you kidding they'll, me? They'll say it's zero, but maybe if Lukaku was was is on form, maybe Lukaku could could get on the bench. That's the only player they know. Because he's played in the. It's the only player they've heard of, and he's played in <laughs> in, in, in in England. Look, uh, it's it's uh, and and because he's scored lots of goals in the Premier League. Nah, it's it's embarrassing. Um, they they don't have any knowledge, and they don't care, and they're proud of it. It's it's this notion of being stupid and ignorant and being proud of it. It's one thing yeah. if you're ignorant, because I don't. There's lots of football I don't watch but I don't talk about it as if I did watch it you see that's the difference most normal people they tend to stay away from subjects that they don't know anything about and normal people <laughs> no, it is it's it is it is it's not just them though it's it's something that we see all over especially in football punditry uh in 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 all languages and in, in at least in the three four languages that I speak uh, not so much in Italy much less in Italy actually it's there's, there's one thing they're good at it's uh, it's that the big the best pundits that is they they tend they tend to stand clear of issues they don't know and they say that as well or I don't want to talk about this you know because they don't want to make themselves look like idiots but whether it's in Sweden or North America or I- England or generally it's this notion of punditry has become this thing where you don't do any research you don't it's you you're just supposed to sound clever and say something it doesn't matter what you say as long as it sounds good when you say it um it's the packaging that matters not the contents when in fact it's both matter <laughs> they both matter mm. 
And and we see this all the time, whether it's uh, stupid people saying Spalletti is a Napoli's Achilles heel, whether it's this idiot saying this, idi- this idiotic thing this time, and I'm sure he'll move on to the next thing next week. Um, it's it's always this notion of oh let's let's just say something cool to be cool and 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 move stir a little bit of you know social media traffic and 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 there's no analysis it's lazy it's comical and it deserves nothing but contemptuous scorn. <laughs> I remember I never forget before the the 2010 World Cup was it the last 16 game when England got hammered four one by Germany was it quarter final. Yeah, it was it was the last sixteen because then Germany hammered Argentina, yeah. Maradona's Argentina in the quarters, didn't they? Yeah, so before that game when England played against Germany, uh, I remember that the, the, the media before the game were all certain that England were gonna were gonna win well, the game. No, uh, were they? <laughs> that time, too. I always remember. I always remember the BBC. Uh, BBC were just before the game. You know, the the preview in the studio, and I can't remember who was in the studio, but they were all, they were all debating how many Germany players would get into the the England team. And they all uh, they all agreed that only one one Germany. <laughs> it's one like Germany a broken player. record. Like yeah. it's it sounds it's been sounding. I think, like... I think the one Germany player might have been Neuer. I think mm. I think it was Neuer, uh, if I'm not mistaken, I, uh, or, or I'm not sure who it was. But it was only one Germany player. Anyway, Germany went on to win four one, but then they repeated it after the game. They were they, they were like, how could we lose four one to a team who only one player would would, would get into the. Would only one player would get into our England no, but I'll team. I'll tell you why, wrong. because it's always the manager's fault. Like, this is what they do. They, they, it's, 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 it was Fabio Capello's fault. It was Fengoran Eriksson's fault. It's that guy's fault. You know, this is the thing, though. It's never the quality, because the quality is always so good. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's Danny Mills starting at right back. He still doesn't matter because, you know, he's the best. I mean, it's, it's, it's this lazy analysis um, or lack thereof. It's not even analysis. It's just, you know, self-glorification and patting yourself on the back and being proud of that and overhyping mediocre players because he cost 80 million pounds. Well, yeah, there's a reason he cost 80 million pounds. It's because you've got, you know, there's an, you know, no one, you know, there's this reason for that. That because of uh, English players, of course, being you know the it was home. 85 actually. Yeah. We're talking about Harry Maguire, but yeah, no, no, but I'm talking about generally speaking. Do you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't matter, it's the same thing, just it's it's the same principle 30 40 years, like for the last 40 50 years, just change the names of the pundits and the players. It's all no, no, the it's same. longer than that. I remember yeah. reading, I remember reading previews of the Hungary versus England game at Wembley when 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 they hammered them 6 3 mm-hmm. and the the. I can't remember who it was, but one of the, the top journalists um, at the time said that um, that uh, Hungary will be stopped easily with firm tackling. <laughs> See, this is what I mean. Like, <laughs> this is what I mean. It doesn't matter who it is. It just, you know, insert name du jour here, insert country here. England always yeah. best. When England don't win, it's the manager's fault or it's someone else. Like, do you know what I mean? It's never mm. because someone else was better. And it's just, or that uh, that English players weren't good enough, and this is what I think is so weird because now I actually think England have a golden generation, a real golden generation that will win them something, um, but but that's probably because they don't ha- they have they have better players now, you know it's it's as simple as that they have better players now today I think that and a depth because they've systematically invested in youth and they and they, you know you see it all the way down to under nineteen and under seventeen tournaments England produced young talent, right. But that you know this this overhyping of players. I, I mean, I've, I've I've seen everyone from Darren Anderton to Danny Mills to 
to you know I don't know who has been hyped as the next as the one of the greatest footballers of all time in every World Declan Cup and Euros. Yeah, Declan Rice now is <laughs> Irish Pirlo, as we call him, um, is now the greatest thing since bread came sliced. And and it's like, well, he's a good player, but it's the same thing with Ben White when they were like these ridiculous comparisons with Rafael Varane. I mean, what what are you doing? And I don't, and I, it's like I don't even think Ben White is comfortable with that comparison. It wasn't a comparison, him. I, he was better than him. Yeah, he that's the thing. Yeah, because he's better. He Varane kind of, never Varane had never played in the Premier League. No, and of course Varane has a World Cup had had won the World Cup and three, four Champions League titles by then. It's just mm. like it's, uh, it, it, it is comical, mm. and this is why people make fun of them when they lose because when you're ignorant and arrogant and you fail, it becomes very very amusing. <laughs> it's that simple i'm sorry and it's not it's not anti-english hate or anything like that actually i've got lots of friends i would love them i'd love if anti-english england, discrimination yeah, no i would love it if england won the world cup or the euros i think it's it would be you know it's a big footballing country it's it, it's they have a huge tradition they have you know some of my best friends are english i would i would i would, I would never begrudge them happiness and joy you just wouldn't congratulate andy townsend no i wouldn't because it's like it'd be insufferable well, he's because, irish apparently apparently well, yeah, he's irish yeah. no, he is. <laughs> one of the didn't one Play for Irish. <laughs> yeah, didn't he play for Ireland? Yeah, but he's yeah. one. He was one of those Jack Charlton yeah. Irish, you know, like <laughs> Jack Charlton Irish. Like quarter, quarter. Well, yeah. Grandfather was like quarter Irish, so they, they got <laughs> and he play. wasn't good enough to play for England, so he played for Ireland. Yeah, yeah, cool. one of those. got it. <laughs> cool. All right, let's leave it at that. Um, let's leave it at that. We will be back on Tuesday for the Q and A episode, uh, and then. Actually, we have quite a lot coming up this week. Actually, because we're going to have a, we'll have a reaction on the the Milan derby second leg. Uh, we may have one on on the Europa League potentially. Yeah. We'll see how those game how those games but go. But make sure to check out the interview we published yesterday on Sunday with Matt Rizzetta, who co-owns Ascoli and fully owns Campobasso, who who they got promoted to Serie D from Eccellenza and the incredible story that they come through uh, putting together a team from nothing. There was nothing there. We did an interview with him in September where they just started, like the the season had just started and they put together a club basically from in, in seven days, like all the way down. And they won that in record-breaking fashion. And now they're in Serie D. Make sure to check that out. It's a really, really cool story. It's yeah, fantastic. Number. Yeah, fantastic interview. And uh, yeah, incredible Incredible story, what they did. Maybe they can put Juventus together if they, if they fancy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah I'll, I'll be sure to let Matt know. He, 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 he is, I mean, to be honest, the way that he works, this long-term hard work, understanding where you are, the humble approach, I think that is, you know, that's how you build long-term. Uh, and I and I oh wish... yeah, well we've seen that, we've seen that with Napoli, haven't we? Yeah, exactly. Um, and as, he was actually talking said. about that in the interview, yeah. uh, like he he how he sees Nap- the Napoli model as the best way forward. Um, and and so no, nothing. Wish North Six, the entire North Six group, and Campobasso and everyone there, nothing but the best. Um, be sure to check that interview out. Uh, and as yeah. you said, Q and A on Tuesday. Uh, pod as always. Review on Thursday. I'm going to be there for the Champions League game tomorrow. Yes, you are. Uh, yeah. So yeah. yeah, it's going to be very yeah. Interesting. So we'll have lots to talk about when you're back. For yeah, sure. For sure. Great. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Uh, we'll see you in the week. Ciao, ciao.